It's the final days of six-year no-interest financing at Palo Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Upgrade that leaky, squeaky patio door from just $84 a month. Set your free consultation now at 855-PALA-WI. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So very glad to have you with us. Good to be back in the studio, but it was a pleasure to see so many people yesterday along the parade route. Um, I'm, as you are probably aware, we were broadcasting um, from a couple different locations, of course, in the Deer District, but also we were out and about. We were on the corner of Water and Kilbourne, and we were on risers at a stage that they had set up right outside St. Kate's, which used to be the Wyndham, and bef- after that it was the uh, Inter, I think the Intercontinental or something like that, um, but a wonderful hotel, and they were just absolutely tremendous for us. Thanks so much to, um, again, the, the owners, which is the Marcus Corporation, for, for fixing that up. And it was just a tremendous place to watch the parade. And it was a tremendous parade as well. And I, I think, you know, the city deserves a lot of credit for that. This was their it, it really came off with, without a hitch. You had hundreds of thousands of people that were in the downtown area. You had very few instances of criminal activity. You had a couple yahoos here and there. But with those minor exceptions, I think everybody had a really, really good time. And it, it's a tribute to the Bucks. It's a tribute to their organization. It's a tribute to the city. And it's a tribute to the fans that everybody was able to have such a great time yesterday. And um, hopefully, hopefully we can do it again. I said this um, on the program yesterday. Hopefully... You know, come mid to late October, we, we can do it again with a Brewers World Series victory. Speaking of the Brewers, this weekend is, if you are a baseball fan and who's not, this is really, really a, a great series. The Chicago White Sox, who are in first place in the Central Division in the American League, come in, take on the Brewers who are in first place in the Central Division of the National League. But the two teams have, have, I think two of the, Five best pitching staffs, if you measure, measure it by an earned run average, in Major League Baseball. And you've got aces on both teams that are going. I mean, the Brewers pitching lineup tonight, it's Freddie Peralta. Tomorrow, it's Corbin Burns. And on Sunday, it's uh, Brandon Woodruff. And they're going against, the, I think, the top pitchers that the White Sox have. It's, it's going to be a tremendous series. So uh, if you have the opportunity to get out and see some great baseball, I, I would say do it because um, this this could very well be, if everything falls correctly, this could be a preview of the World Series. Would that not be absolutely outstanding? But, you know, I think we, we still have a little bit of time to bask in the, the reflected glory of, you know, what happened with the Bucks on Tuesday night and what this is going to mean for the city. It's just, it is impossible to calculate. You, you want to talk about positive advertising. And a positive message. I mean, those images from the Deer District that were coming out, you know, showing tens of thousands of people. Now, I don't know if there were 65,000. I'm, I'm always a little bit skeptical when it comes to crowd estimates. But regardless, it, th- there were a ton of people. So whether there were 40,000 or 50,000 or 60,000 or whatever outside was amazing. And I said this on, on Wendy's, Wednesday's program, and I do I want to emphasize it again. Sometimes I, I get frustrated 
with what certain headline writers choose to, to pick out. Look, I, I am as sensitive as anybody as to the out-of-control crime in urban areas in general and in Milwaukee in particular. Okay, there's, there's no question about it. And I talk about the car thefts and I talk about the homicides and I talk about the shootings and I talk about the robberies a lot. But but here's, you know, on, on Tuesday night, you had a ton of people in the Deer District, 20,000 people that were at Fiserv seeing the game, and then another, again, fill in the blank, 40, 50, 60,000 people that were outside. You're, you're talking about you know, 80,000-plus people in this immediate area, and then afterwards you've got the huge overflow, people going into the bar districts and all. And on Water Street, there were three shootings. Okay, three shootings, and that was one of the headlines in the Washington Post. That was one of the headlines in the New York Times. Three shootings. And I'm sitting here thinking, in any urban area, including Milwaukee, on any given Tuesday night, it is not unusual to have a report of a lot more than three shootings. So you have a couple yahoos that get into a fight, and somebody's got a gun and something like that. But that's, if you look at the way Milwaukee celebrated the championship, and you look at what happened on Tuesday night, and in general, the good positive feel-good vibes, and if you look at all the great stuff that, that happened yesterday during the parade, the, the story is not criminal behavior. The story is people coming together and having a good time. Now, part of it, I think, was because people were in a good mood. Secondly, um, there, there was, let's face it, there was a huge police presence down there, which existed to deter that sort of stuff, and that was positive. But still, it is not uncommon in certain areas that when their sports team wins, you, you, have, you, you have riots that break out. You have people that start running through the streets, breaking windows and setting stuff on fire. None of that happened. It was a real tribute to Milwaukee, to southeastern Wisconsin, and Wisconsin in general, that I think people were as well-behaved as they were, which is one of the frustrating things when I see certain people in the media pick up on what was clearly an aberration, a statistical aberration, given all the people that were around. So I think everybody starting with the Bucks organization and starting with the folks in the city who are responsible for security and then ending with everybody who's down there celebrating over the course of the last couple of days, I think everybody gets credit for really helping the city of Milwaukee and the area put its best foot forward. All right, when we come back, the Cleveland Indians are no more. I'll tell you what they have become if you haven't heard. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Hey, the newest summer event is the WTMJ Classic from the club at Lock LaBelle and Oconomowoc, and you can be part of it. Our WTMJ team is hitting the golf course this August for a day of food, fun, and networking. Want to join us? We'll tune in all week for a chance to win a round of golf for you and three friends. It's the WTMJ Classic, hosted by the club at Lock LaBelle, sponsored by Imperial Service Systems, Pella Windows of Doors of Wisconsin, Griffin Ford, and Gruber Law Offices. Okay, so here, here's the way this works. Um, sometime between now and the end of the program, probably during the one o'clock hour, we're going to be getting one more qualifier. We're not doing it now. We'll get one more qualifier and you will then go into the hopper with the other qualifiers we've had this week. And before the end of the program, we will randomly select one of our qualifiers from this week who will win a, a round of golf for themselves and three friends at our WTMJ Golf Classic that is coming up on August 17th. So keep listening for your chance to win. It's something that's just a lot of fun, and we are very much looking forward to it. All right. 
Remember a number of years ago, Marquette University made the decision that they had to change their nickname. That uh, used to be the Marquette Warriors, and the 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 symbol the, the was had had Native American imagery. And so some people said, "Okay, this is terrible. This is racist. This is offensive." So we, we we've got to we've got to get rid of the imagery, which would be fine. But then people said, "Well, we got to get rid of the name Warriors as well, because even though Warriors is not inherently a, a Native American." sort of thing. Native Americans can be warriors, but you know there can be all sorts of other warriors as well. Marquette said, no, we can't do this. And so that led to a, a huge discussion over the name change. The original suggestion that they came out with, and this was after a lot of study, was to change them to be the Marquette Gold. That was the idea. Because you know, who could be upset with a color? Nobody could be offended by that. Well, that one went over like a lead balloon, and so they ultimately became the, the Golden Eagles. My argument all along was, you know, keep the nickname Warriors, just come up with different imagery. But I, I got outvoted on that. Well, since then, there has been an ongoing PC war on, on nicknames. You, you saw this with the term Redskins, and, and ultimately the with the you know the Washington Redskins decided they were finally going to, to abandon that. So last year they were the Washington Football Club, and they're still wrestling with what they're going to become in the future. Although they have said we're, one of the names we're not going to consider is Warriors. We're not going to be the Washington Warriors because we think it has too many links to Native American imagery. Well, Cleveland, the Cleveland Indians baseball team um, has decided, of course, that they are going to do away with the term Indians because they, they do not want to offend people. So they have been trying to decide what the new nickname is going to be. Well, earlier this morning, they they announced it. Uh, they are going to be the Cleveland Guardians, the Cleveland Guardians. Now, if you want to understand what the logo presumably is going to be, and they haven't rolled this out, but where the Guardians come from, and you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I, I've got a, a link to this. In 19, eh, like 32, in Cleveland, they completed a giant bridge, and the bridge spans the Cuyahoga River. What does this have to do with Guardians? Hold on, I'll get there. They completed a giant bridge which spans the Cuyahoga River. And the Cuyahoga River divides Cleveland, the east and west side, sort of like the Milwaukee River. I guess the Milwaukee River, the Cuyahoga River is much bigger than the Milwaukee River. But sort of like the Milwaukee River, you know, um, d- divides the city of Milwaukee. That's what the Cuyahoga River does in Cleveland. So in 1932, they built a, a bridge. It's called the uh, Carnegie, the, the, the Rainy Carnegie Bridge, and the bridge spans the Cuyahoga River. All right, what does this have to do with Guardians? Stick around, I'm getting there. Well, um, as part of the design of the bridge, they built these two giant, and I mean giant, Art Deco statues that have the images of, they became known as, as the Guardians, and it's sort of like, I, I don't know, it's very, very Game of Thrones or, or Lord of the Rings-ish. I mean, I, I mean, think of Roman emperors or something like that. It's the, these Art Deco statues that I would say, again, you, you could say if you're looking for parallels, oh, this is the Roman Empire or something. And it's, it's, it's these two giant statues that have, um, I don't know, images and they've got the helmets on and wings coming out of the helmets and things like that. And they've been referred to as the Guardians. So the baseball team decided that 
what they were going to do is name themselves, their new nickname, they're going to name themselves after the statues on on the bridge uh, because they say, okay, well, this has a link to the city. So they are going to become the Cleveland Guardians. I don't know what the logo is going to be, but I assume if they're going to be the Guardians, it's going to have some look to, again, these, these Game of Thrones-ish statues, which are known as the the Guardians over the of the bridge. Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The controversy over Indians goes away. I don't think there's any argument that anybody can make that would suggest that there's I don't know, some sort of Native American imagery to this. They've made a complete and total change from what they were. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Will fans accept this? Will they embrace it? Or just like what happened with the Marquette basketball team, who for many alumni, they are and will always be the Warriors. Will Cleveland, will fans of baseball across the country and across the world, will they adopt this new nickname, the Cleveland Guardians? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're just tuning in, uh, the Cleveland, formerly the Cleveland baseball team, formerly known as the Indians, has of course announced that they were going to scrap the Indian nickname. Starting, I think next year, they will be known as the Cleveland Guardians. I just went through the history of where this comes from. There, there's a bridge in Cleveland which spans the Cuyahoga River, connects the east side of Cleveland to the west side. And um, on the bridge, follow me on this, it was built in 1932. They've got these two giant Art Deco statues that have images on them. They're statues that, again, sort of look like something out of Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings or, you know, the, you might you might see in ancient Rome. And the, they're, they're called the Guardians of the Bridge. So this is where it comes from. They're, they're going to be the Guardians. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line. Jeff, guess they're going to have to remake the movie Major League. Well, that's it, because remember Major League, even though it was filmed in Milwaukee, was set in Cleveland, and it focused on the Cleveland Indians. Are we now going to have to either remake it or just redub it, and all the Cleveland image, Indians imagery goes away, and it's now going to be the Cleveland Guardians, a name that strikes fear, I'm sure, into the heart of I don't know, baseball fans, you know, all over, um, you know, uh, and again, I if you think that they needed to change the name. All right. That that that's fine. But I would say that Guardians to me is probably as lame as Marquette um, Gold was um, 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, younger people will accept it because they don't cling to things like this. Um, we can't even get people to stop calling American Family Field Miller Park. Well, I think most people, see, I, I disagree with that. I think it's just, if you mention Miller Park, it's just because it's been Miller Park for the last 20 years. I think sooner Rather than later, people will refer to it as American Family Field. I don't think that that's necessarily something that, that, that it's just it's new and the fans have to adopt to it. Somebody else texted and made the point that um, they the fans don't care about the name. 
It doesn't matter what you call the team. As long as the team wins, that will be fine. And I'm sorry, but I just don't buy that. I think what happens is fans who support teams, you have identities. If if suddenly we decided that the Green Bay Packers, the name Packers, was for some reason or whatever politically incorrect and it had to be changed, you mean to tell me the generations of Packers fans would would just blindly sort of accept the, the change and be happy about it? No, I mean, I, I think that a lot of people have the identity, their identities and their fandom. It's tied up in not just the team itself, but also all the stuff surrounding the team. Now, as far as I know, there's no movement afoot to, you know, force the Packers to change the name of the Packers. But to suggest that, okay, th- these names don't mean anything and it doesn't matter what you call the team, I think is... Is, um, well, well, candidly, I, I think that that's that that doesn't appreciate how intense the feelings run. Best example of that, again, among alumni of a certain era from Marquette, they're not the Gold Eagles. They're the Warriors. They're always going to be the Warriors. Now, I guess as time goes on and after the decades pass, ultimately, maybe the people that thought of them as the Warriors end up dying off. And and then it's only generations of people that knew them as the Golden Eagles. But that's a long time coming for people who think that um, this is going to be accepted tomorrow by folks in Cleveland. Maybe maybe among the hip and trendy, maybe among the editorial writers, maybe among some of the media elite. But I think among rank and file fans, they're going to be the Indians for a long time. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Your Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions. Relive every second of the Bucks' victory over the Suns in Game 6 of the NBA Finals today on our sister station, 94.5 ESPN Milwaukee. Our sister station is going to be airing the entire broadcast over and over again. They started at 6 in the morning and it runs till 6 at night. It's the Bucks in 6 starting at 6 a.m. on 94.5 ESPN. A couple people were making the point in the text. This, uh, the Cleveland Indians are the Indians no more. They are going to be the Cleveland Guardians. And I made the reference that, that actually it comes from th- these Art Deco statues that are on a bridge that spans the Cuyahoga River. And I said, well, it, it, it kind of looks like Guardians of the Galaxy. If you look at the statue, the imagery, it's like Guardians of the Galaxy or Lord of the Rings. Somebody said, well, no, what it's really going to be among the younger crowd, the, the reference to Guardians, they're going to think it's the movies, the Disney movies, the Marvel movies, Guardians. Guardians of the Galaxy, and so right, and and then Guardians of the Galaxy. The two characters are, are the talking tree, I am Groot, and the uh, raccoon, you know, Rocket Raccoon or the raccoon. So may, maybe that'll be it. It'll be a raccoon, or it'll be the talking tree. Maybe that's what the imagery will be. Will be just saying, okay. To stage the Olympic Games in Tokyo, Japan and surrounding areas, they estimate that Japan shelled out. In the neighborhood of twenty billion, twenty billion dollars, the um, they spent around seven billion dollars to either build new sports venues or modify and improve and upgrade existing sports venues. That that's seven billion dollars right there, and those venues, for all intents and purposes, are all going to be empty. They're all going to be empty because. For the longest time, the rule has been that that people from overseas, from outside of Japan, were not allowed to travel because of COVID protocols. 
And then they recently announced that nobody in Japan would be able to attend the games, or at least at most of the venues. So you spent $7 billion to either build or modify venues that are going to be empty during the games and will probably be empty and not used after that. On top of that, the other $13 billion was spent on on promotion and, you know, building facilities and all sorts of other costs that were associated, particularly with, you know, the anticipated international travel or even domestic travel, and, and none of that is going to happen. So headline in the Wall Street Journal the other day, the 2021 Olympics are turning into a $20 billion bust for Japan. The host nation expected an economic windfall and global recognition, but um, amid a pandemic, a disgruntled population just wants it all to go away. Now, it's a little bit difficult to follow what goes on in the Olympic Games, in part because there's a huge time difference. There's like a 12 or 13 hour time difference between us and um, Tokyo. So the the opening ceremonies have, have already occurred, but they were weird opening ceremonies because the athletes paraded into an empty stadium. And in some cases, when they were doing the, the parade in, they were they were instructed to to maintain social distance, so they weren't supposed to be close to each other. I'm told that some of the athletes followed that, some some didn't. But you you have a situation where you have are actually staging an Olympic Games where nobody nobody has come. You know, what what if you spent tens of billions of dollars to to stage games and, and nobody came? That's the situation they're at. In addition, because of their various COVID protocols, you're already seeing various members of various teams, including I think about 10 so far on the U.S. team, who've who've tested positive for for COVID. And so once that happens, you're essentially, you're you're out of the games, and then they do the the contact tracing, and, and more people can be out of the games. So we're only at the tip of the iceberg with regard to how many people are going to have to drop out and how many teams are going to end up being disqualified. So that's the backdrop of this all. And it's nobody's fault. I mean, when Japan bid on the Olympic Games for 2020, they had no way of knowing it would be in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. On top of this, the population in Japan is very, very upset. If you look at the polls, if you believe polls, it's running like 60 to 70 percent anti-Olympics because – you know, Japan has done a lousy job of getting people vaccinated, and there's all sorts of reasons for that. But the Japanese people view the Olympics not only as a huge waste of money now, but also as a potential super spreader event. How can you do this when everybody else is under these extreme quarantines? And against this backdrop, you, you have the Olympic Games that are continuing. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I will admit that over the years... I've I've followed the Olympics. I I can remember sitting down and having like we'd have friends over, for example, to to watch the opening of the Olympic Games. And I thought it was always cool to see the different nations that would come in and to see the crowds that would go nuts like that. You know, the Summer Olympics have a lot of, you know, sports that I I enjoyed to follow, whether it's the, you know, the men's basketball team or the gymnastics competition. All those things, and and many of them are still going to be going on, but for whatever reason, I have to tell you, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being, I'm not going to miss a minute of this game, sign me up for everything so I can watch every moment, to 1 being, eh, are the Olympics going on, for whatever reasons, 
I, I'm at about a minus one. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The Olympics started today. Do you care? Will you be following this? Or would they have been better off just to say, let's skip the 2020-2021 Olympics and let's start again in 2024? 855-616-1620. Think if you ask people in Japan what they would should have done if they had known today what they knew when they put in the bid, they would have said, let's skip it. They're blasting ahead. Does anybody care? We discuss in a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. The, the reviews of the opening ceremonies are, are brutal. I'm, I'm looking at the deadline. The headline is Tokyo Olympics opening ceremony review. Naomi Osaka and Tonga Man's return couldn't elevate downbeat affair of NBC's live morning broadcast. Ever imagine what it would be like if they held an Olympics and almost nobody came? Well, um, they go on. They, they provided the answer today. It was ultimately neither engaging nor enjoyable. And you know, that's then, then then the then the reviews really get bad. It's talking about how apparently since the stadium's empty, there's all sorts of protesters that were outside the stadium, and they're they're protesting the fact that the Olympics are going on. And apparently, you could hear the protesters inside the stadium. It's just it, it's it's unfortunate because I understand these are sort of special events, but. You know, the, the part of the Olympic hype is is being able to go and you see fully packed stadiums and things like that, and you see people being able to travel from other countries to support their teams and parents being able to go support their kids. Candidly, they would have been so much better off, in my opinion, canceling the Olympic Games. And then, if you want to do something, then kind of bumping the schedule, giving, uh, for example, giving Japan a, a do-over, saying, hey, you can have the Games in 2024 because we know you've invested all this money, and then put pushing everybody back, 855-616-1620. But the way it's working, and it's nobody's fault, but I, I don't I don't know, is anybody jazzed up about the Olympics? Let's talk to Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hi, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Mike. Hey, I'm a little bit ahead of you. You gave it a minus one. I'll give it a zero. I have absolutely no interest. There's like the Japanese people are against it. There's no one coming there. It's There's no audience. It's basically... Uh, if there is, it's like a parent or a coach going to a practice session, and now even with the Olympics, the parents can't even go. Right, right, right. And then, then it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a non-event. Well, and thanks. No, I think I think there there's an element to that. I mean, thanks to the call, and it's look, and, and I understand we had we had basketball last year in, in the bubble. And, you know, no fans, et cetera. And I, I think everybody would agree that th- it wasn't the same. And, you know, the Olympics, which were in large part spectacle, th- this takes all of that away. And I think it's one of the frustrating things that are there. Here's a text that says, Jeff, I'm at a zero. It's just not the same without the cheering from the crowd. And I, I think there is, in fact, you know, an element of of that. Um, here's another text that, that does raise the issue. Look, the, the people I feel in some cases worse for are, are the athletes who train all their life for maybe this one sort of experiment. Experiment, um, Jeff, it's a hard call because for some of the athletes, this is the only shot that they'll have. It's such a small, finite time that they're able to compete in their sports. So to skip four years would be crushing. On the other hand, I don't know what the right answer um, would be 
would be. Um, and that's, that's it. Now, I think most people, I'm getting a ton of texts on this, as you might expect. You know, most people are like, oh, are, are they having the Olympics? But um, here's, I think, the one that kind of reflects what I think is most representative of this. Jeff, they should have postponed the Summer Olympics again until the pandemic is totally under control. I have very little interest in watching sports with no fans and in a host country that has not approved this. Well, that's, I mean, that's kind of the underlying thing that, you know, you've got the host country that is resisting this as well. Let's talk to Dennis in West Dallas. Hi, Dennis. You're on WTMJ. Hi. Thanks for taking my call, Jeff. Hey, here's the thing, though. I, I understand everything that you're saying, and I'm not disagreeing with any of it or even what the callers before us said. But my, my consideration here is I want to see these athletes because I'll, a number of these athletes, I couldn't give you the exact number, but a number of these athletes are going to age out, and mm-hmm. they're not going to be able to perform in the next Olympics. So just a bump, it's like you're suggesting, doesn't help them at all. It doesn't give them a chance to be able to to compete you know, at, at a level that they've been working to be able to compete at for God knows how long. Oh, okay, but here, I and, I, and I understand, and Dennis. My kids competed at a high level also, and they only had a certain window of opportunity to be able to do that. Right, I, and I understand what you're saying, Dennis, but at the same time, is it is this is this going to be an Olympics like past Olympics have been, where you've got all the different COVID protocols, or are we just kind of going through the motions? You've got already all sorts of people that haven't been able to travel, that haven't been able to participate. Would, would it have been better, even understanding that some people are going to age out, would it have been better to delay it so they really are competing in an environment like you would expect the Olympics to be? I think I think that the what we need to do is kind of dig a combination of both of these things, okay? Like you said, let Japan have a do-over, push everything back in that regard, but allow the people to compete now. Mm-hmm. Okay, they happen to be there in Japan. Let them compete now mm-hmm. because they're not going to have that opportunity down the road. You know, and, and like I said, they, they have been worked. It's not like it's not like the Bucks, okay, let's put the... the, the There's always know, next year. Because yep. next year we've got it, okay? These right. people are going to have to wait four years. Right. All right. They've already pushed it back a year. Right. Well, they'd have and to wait three. But yes, I get I get your point. Yeah, exactly. they'd have to wait three. Yeah. So, so let's at least let them compete, and then you consider, you know, okay, Japan, you got ripped. Let's <laughs> let's give you guys a do-over, like you said. But you know, it, it's you got to be fair to the athletes as well. Do you do you think you'll be watching it as much as you would watch a typical Summer Olympics game games? I, uh, yeah, I will because I think it's it's about the athletes. Okay, all right. I, I, I know I get it. See the crowds. I tune in to see the athletes compete. Well, no, thank, well, I don't know, but it, but it's. It, you, I think you you tune in to kind of see the Olympic experience. And again, I, I did I did not watch the the opening ceremonies. I have seen clips of the opening ceremonies, and I've read several reviews about the opening ceremonies. And, and the word that you keep hearing is. Is sort of dour. I can't imagine what it would be like to be one of those athletes. And you, you've worked your whole life to get to the Olympic Games. Hey, this is part of this. And you've, you've got all the different protocols where you can't eat with your teammates and things like that. But now you're you're walking into this empty stadium where they've got kind of this pumped in, piped in music. And apparently the only thing you can hear are the, the chants from the protesters that are outside. I mean, it's in many respects, it's the athletes that are getting cheated as well which makes you wonder, 
would they have been better off to postpone it? Now, from a Tokyo perspective, to, to use your phrase, Dennis, and you're absolutely right, I mean, Japan got ripped because this is, there, there's no question, there's, you know, $20 billion to stage these games. And, and a large part of that, they were hoping it was going to be recovered by international tourism, you know, people coming in and, you know, spending money, sort of like what, you know, Milwaukee was hoping for a year ago with the Democratic National Convention. And then poof, all, all that, that business just goes away. Uh, for people who haven't been following it, in some respects, it's even worse, um, in the, in the country. Toyota, which is one of the largest Japanese corporations, Toyota, pulled all their internal domestic advertising from the the Olympics, all their TV advertising and stuff, because the Olympics are so controversial. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to see Toyota ads if you watch it in the United States, but domestically, in Japan, they, they pulled all their advertising and you know what does does that say in addition you you had all these sponsors that had had paid to have a presence at the olympics like um i think it was canon the 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 cameras and stuff they they had a huge they had committed millions of dollars and apparently they were going to have a huge interactive experience outside the basketball arena you know because you know you're going to have people you know tens of thousands of people going in and out to watch the basketball games and so they had made this this huge commitment they were going to be a giant vendor and the interactive experience well you know how's that working out because now there's nobody allowed to go into the the venue so I, i don't know how it works can they get their money back you know what's the the deal but from the perspective of japan which has advanced advanced all this money they're, they're out it does I, I think also raise this kind of larger question about the olympics moving forward and and maybe this is a conversation to have another day but i've i, I seriously have wondered whether it would make more sense to have a permanent site for the uh, Olympic Games, the Summer and the Winter Olympic Games, as opposed to having these cities bid on it every four years, because in, in almost every situation, there's a couple exceptions, but not many. The cities lose just, just a ton of money by doing this. And they, you know, you build these different venues and, and then what happens is the venues, they're, they're never used after the, this two weeks and you get a brief pop of exposure, but it's almost always a huge loss for the various cities. Would we be better off just to say, you know, wherever it's going to be, whether it's going to be Rome or whether it's going to be Los Angeles or Atlanta or or you know, Great Britain or wherever, maybe just have a permanent Olympic site um, so that, that people can know and can plan. Regardless, the Olympic Games have now started. It'll be curious to see what the TV ratings show. My guess is you're looking at all-time lows. Will I be watching? Not a lot of interest, except I am curious about men's basketball, particularly because you've got, you know, the, the two Bucks players that are flying over there and will be participating in the games. And I got to admit, I, I've got a soft spot for women's gymnastics, and Simone Biles is something special, and you hope the women's um, uh, gymnastics team can do very, very well. Okay, when we come back, man, the government's trying to decide what they should require us to do with regard to masks. We'll discuss. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa, I think I'm getting klutzier as I get older. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I, I, so the, the, this morning, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm literally I'm walking from our bedroom to the kitchen to make coffee. 
and somehow, some way, I stub my toe. Oh, I hate on, that. On, and I don't even know what I did. We, we have like a couple of throw rugs or something. I don't exactly know how I did it, but it's on my right foot. It's the, your index toe. It's the one right next to my big, to my big toe. And I, I knew, I mean, it hurt at the time. And I'm sitting here, I, I just, during during the break, it's just it's now like those four shades. Well, yeah, it's strong, oh. but it's also multiple colors. You know, it's and it's already multiple colors. I'm gonna. Oh. So I'm mean, I'm wondering how you did the second toe. Normally, it's the pinky toe that I, sort of catches I, I, on I, things. I have no idea how I did it. I mean, <laughs> oh, no, I, I have that? no, I have no, I have no explanation as to how hmm. I did this, other than the, the lead in was like a klutz. But it's like, <laughs> I, you know, I'm 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 I'm, I'm, I'm scheduled to. I'm playing golf this weekend a lot. Oh. I've got all this active stuff, and it's just. It hurts. Now you like, have this thing. Well, right. So that'll be my excuse if the golf game sucks, I That's guess. Right, yeah. But it's kind of <laughs> like that. But it's like how I'm sitting here thinking, how did yeah. I do how this? Did you how do that? right? Because it, it, it wasn't even. I mean, sometimes when you stub your toe, I, I get it. You you know, it's on a staircase, or you know, you you take a corner too short, or there's that table and you bang it. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think that's it. I just. I kind of like somehow tripped over this little throw rug or yeah. something and just whacked that that one toe. You know, for me, I'm always hitting my funny bone. I'm like, oh. Oh, like it's the funny bone for me, not the toes. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know, but I, I just, it never used to happen. I'm getting klutzier as I get older. There, there's no question about it. But I will, I will power through. But I'm playing hurt for the next couple hours here, you know. And it's that's it. Yeah, I hear you. And and you are, you've been golfing almost every day. I'm amazed well, by that. Almost every day you've been golfing through well, last we uh, last week or yeah, two. Well, well, we yeah, we try. You know, I mean, summer. if I can, well, at least a couple times a week, I try to sneak out after work. That's the beauty of getting off at three o'clock. That's Thank true. you, good karma. I appreciate that very much. And you know, it stays late. That, that's one of the reasons I absolutely love summer is that it stays light so much longer that you can get off of work and you can go and you can, you know, do something like play nine holes of golf or 18 holes of golf or, or do something and still it's still light to let you do it. I love this time of year. I wish every month of the year could be June or July. And we've also had some really nice weather, too. Yeah. Yep. That's helped out a lot. It's worked. So if you see me this weekend and Hobbling. I'm limping around, yeah, <laughs> it's because I continue to be a klutz. All right. I thought we were past this. Now, one of the images that I had when I was watching all the celebrations and all the stuff that was going on at the Deer District on Tuesday night, and it was it was just thrilling to see everybody together, and I, I thought it was it was it was great. Although my my one thought was, what was would Anthony Fauci be thinking if he was watching it? Because I'm not saying that. In the, in the Deer District, where you had 40 or 50 or 60 or 70,000 people, however many people crammed together shoulder to shoulder, I'm not saying nobody was wearing masks, but at least in the coverage I saw, almost nobody was wearing masks, which, you know, sort of buttresses my conclusion that I think, as a general rule, we in this country are past masking. I, I just, I didn't, I'm not saying, and again, I was at, outside in the middle of the crowd at the parade yesterday, and from our vantage point, I will not say there was nobody that had a mask on, but you know, we're, there were people where I was that were standing shoulder to shoulder, three and four deep, and, and I know that's outside, not inside, but there, there weren't too many masks. There, there, there might have been a handful, but there were not too many masks that were there. And I don't know if people were vaccinated or not, but I think folks are in general, past the whole mask element. Well, as we've talked about, um, the the COVID numbers are up. They're they're nowhere close to the the way it was pre-vaccination. I mean, we're we're not close to the number of hospitalizations and certainly the number of deaths that you saw a year ago, but but they are up. 
as the Delta variant spreads, primarily, not exclusively, but primarily to people who are unvaccinated. For most people, if you are vaccinated, you are protected. Now, there are breakthrough cases, but in in those breakthrough cases, if you've been vaccinated and you happen to get it again, you are number one unlucky, and number two, your chances of of having a serious result are very, very slim. They're, they're not saying they're non-existent, but they're very, very slim. If, on the other hand, you are unvaccinated, you run a higher risk. So the numbers have been going up over the course of the last couple um, weeks. And as a result of that, you have certain areas that are talking about, let, let's go back to masking. Story I'm looking at out of, um, well, a number of papers today, the, the White House, and this is a problem for the Biden administration, they are, they are being pushed to urge, uh, again, masking be mandatory for people vaccinated or unvaccinated in indoor settings. And the White House, because they recognize it's a political loser, to their credit, want no part of this. But there is now talk about whether or not the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, which said, you know, in May, hey, if you're vaccinated, you do not need to wear a mask indoors, might reverse that. And some people, including some politicians, are pressuring the CDC to to say, okay, we we need to have guidance. We need to go back to where we were pre-May, and we need to tell everybody that they have to be wearing masks indoors. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I personally think that ship has sailed. I think you can inform people on the value of wearing masks. You can encourage people to get vaccinated. But government mandates of of wearing masks, I, I just, I mean, I'm thinking of that image at the Deer District. I, I think that we collectively as a country, have moved past that. And I think if you try to enforce mandatory mask, going back to mandatory mask wearing anytime you're indoors, I just don't think the public's going to follow it. And I think politicians that embrace returning to mask mandates, I, I think... I think it would be political suicide. Now, nobody's saying that if you don't want to wear, if you want to wear a mask, you, you can't wear a mask. But the idea that we would go back and now mandate people wearing masks, I think it's an absolute non-starter. I don't think people would do it. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And candidly, for people who are vaccinated, there's very little scientific reason to require people to wear masks. So at some point in time, if our vaccination rate is 50% or 55 or 60%, is it fair to say to people, all right, we're going to impose this requirement on you because other people have made the decision not to get vaccinated? My answer would be no. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Can we turn back the clock on masks? I just don't see it happening. We discuss in a minute. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff in Wauwatosa, Jeff in Waukesha. I'm sorry, Jeff. Good afternoon. Hey. Good afternoon. I'm sure you got tons of calls on the mask thing. It's a hot topic. But I heard an interesting statistic this morning that 
of all the new cases that are being reported recently, 98.4% are in people that are not vaccinated. Yes. Uh, that ballpark. So I mean, I've seen different numbers, but should, it's like that, yeah. Yeah, so why should the population that has got vaccinated have to wear a mask because these people have opted not to get vaccinated? They've opted not to get vaccinated. They know the, the, cons- the potential consequence of not doing that, and they accept that responsibility. That's on them, not the people that have opted to get the vaccination. So, yeah. heaven forbid they should get sick or even die. They knew that going in. That was their decision. Well, you see, and I, I think, and that is why, I mean, thanks to the call, Jeff, that is why I think it would be impossible to enforce mandatory masks to, to turn back the clock because of exactly that. I understood the argument for masking across the population before you had a vaccine. But now that you have the availability of vaccines, and you're right, for all intents and purposes, once you get vaccinated, you are protected. Now, I, I understand you're right. It, there, there have been examples of breakthrough cases, but if you happen to be somebody who's been vaccinated and you get it, in almost all of those situations, statistically speaking, you're, you're going to have a mild sort of, of result. You know, so you're not going to get sick. The people that are at risk at the Delta variant are the ones who have chosen not to get vaccinated. So I think you're at a certain point where you're correct. I mean, if, if X percentage of the population has now made the decision not to do it, well, it isn't that kind of on them that they've made that decision to do it. And how can you tell everybody else who has done, you know, what government officials have told us to do and encourage us to do and have gotten vaccines? How can you tell them now, OK, well, because there are people that are making a different choice, you know, you, you have to wear a mask, even though the chances of you getting sick and then passing it on. And, and that's what masks do. Masks don't protect you necessarily from getting sick. They primarily stop you from passing it on. And given the fact that if you're vac- vaccinated, it's very, very remote that you're going to be a carrier and be able to pass it on to somebody who hasn't already been vaccinated. What is the justification for that? Now, if you want to argue all right, we, we need to have a two-tiered sort of thing, and you need to maybe require people to prove that they've been vaccinated. That's a whole nother conversation. But the idea of mandatory masks across the board, I, I just, I don't think the general public would accept it for exactly the reasons that you you told, you said. And, and by the way, the incentive in many cases that people have to get vaccinated beyond not getting sick is the notion that, okay, you, you don't need to wear a mask. So now you're going to take that away? Don't think so. Ken in Green Bay. Ken, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi. Great show. Thank you, sir. What do you think? Um, Jeff, um, if if they make it mandatory for people to wear masks, are you going to trust that they're all going to be wearing masks? I'm sorry. You cut out of the first part of your question. Would you give it to me again, please? Oh, I said, I said if, if they make it mandatory that all non-vaccinated people have to wear masks, are you going to trust that they're all going to be wearing masks? Um, no. They're going to have to make it. They're going to have to make it mandatory in order to make sure that those people are wearing masks. I mean, the overwhelming majority of people who haven't been vaccinated yet, they fall into into two of three categories. You know, lazy. You have to start bringing the word lazy into this. Lazy, stupid, and 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 in some way greedy. 
Okay, well, so I guess my question would be if people, and, and I, I think there might be other categories. I mean, there's there's people who who just don't believe in it or whatever. Now, I got vaccinated, so that's, you know, I, I, I and I yeah. think other people should. Sure. But I guess the question would be at some point in time, if people are making those decisions, all right, isn't that their decision? And then why do you impose a mask requirement on all the rest of us who've done what we're, quote unquote, what at least the government is instructing us that we're supposed to do? Why should I have to wear a mask to protect somebody who's made the decision that they're not going to wear one? I, I understand, but I think I think the other side of that is just as important. I mean, I'm not going to trust that everybody who's not vaccinated is going to be wearing a mask. Um, thank, thanks, yeah. No, no, I, I guess that everybody's not vaccinated is not going to be wearing a mask. Well, yeah, I, I, right. I, I, and there's, there's no way you can tell. I mean, we don't. You know, we're we're not putting like scarlet A's on people or anything or scarlet M's on people to say, you know, whether they've been vaccinated or not. But I do think there is a point. The legal term is assumption of the risk. I, I do think there is a certain point and we're past that point now. Vaccines are readily available. They're readily available. Anybody that wants to get vaccinated can get vaccinated. And and if people are making the choice not to get vaccinated, they, I think, have to end up living with the consequences of that. But for all intents and purposes, having been vaccinated, I do not pose a risk to anybody else. Now, again, I, I understand that there's a chance that I could get ill again. And I guess in a, in a theoretical world, there's a chance that I could maybe pass that on. But that's that's like chasing unicorns. I mean, the problem is the people who are getting sick are the ones who have chosen not to get vaccinated. And that's what the statistics say. So if we can do more stuff to encourage those folks to get vaccinated, I, I'm I'm all in favor of it. And I don't share the concerns. And whenever I do these topics, I get emails saying, well, you're going to regret your decision to get vaccinated when that poison kills you three years from now. And okay, you know, maybe that's the case. I'm not lecturing folks, but I am just saying for those of us who have, if the, if the key out of this is get vaccinated, those of us who have gotten vaccinated, I don't think there's any reason that the government should be telling us, okay, well, now you need to still wear masks on the remote chance that you could be one of those unicorns who have the breakthrough thing and that you could then be a carrier to somebody who's chosen not to get vaccinated. I'm sorry. That's too much of, of a, a stretch. Hopefully more people will get vaccinated and hopefully that's ultimately the way out of it. But for those of us who have done the right thing, just from a political perspective, I don't see it. And if you just, again, want to look at an example of how over this people are, you know, look, look at the 60 or 70,000 people that were at the Deer District, the vast majority of whom were not um, wearing masks. And I have no idea whether they were vaccinated or not. And I understand that they were in an outdoor environment, but they felt comfortable being outdoors, being shoulder to shoulder with people. And I think to try to sell a, a mandatory mask mandate, um, you know, good, good luck. Um, good luck with it. And, and look, and, and my other question, a number of texters are making this point is where does this all end? I, I mean, given the fact that I believe COVID is going to be with us for a long, long time. It's just that the question is, again, you know, making sure that it, it doesn't overwhelm the hospital systems or things like that. Where where does this end? Does it all end? Or is the ultimate idea that, OK, for the rest of our lives and as a society, we're all going to have to wear masks everywhere? 
And at, at what point in time that does it end? And, and yes, by the way, I acknowledge that the COVID numbers are going up, but they're still, because lots of people are vaccinated, they're still nowhere like they were a, a year ago. I understand why they put the mask mandates in a year ago, but now I just don't think that people are going to be able and willing to follow them. And I think if politicians try to encourage that or mandate it, it is a recipe for disaster because that's not where the American public is right now. Absolutely great job. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, if the purpose of government isn't to try to protect public safety by getting rid of disease-carrying rodents, what is it? And I, Okay, what, what does that mean, Jeff? Well, here's the deal. The headline, Journal Sentinel, caught my attention. Rats are showing up in Waukesha, and that has some residents unnerved. Now, let me just say, that, that headline caught my attention. Rats are showing up in Wa- Waukesha, and that has some residents unnerved, to which my response is, no kidding. I mean, if there were rats that were showing up in my neighborhood, yes, I would be a tad unnerved. And by the way, I love the folks in Waukesha. I have an ongoing relationship with the the mayor. You know, they I just I emceed their event when they brought the moving wall to Waukesha. So I I I, I like them. But but here's the story. Brandon Weedner knew something was amiss when his dog started sniffing around the underside of his truck, and he had a pretty good idea why. So he started the engine. Out came an eight-inch-long rat, excluding its tail, which immediately scurried away to safety on this Saturday afternoon. It wasn't the first one he had seen on his property, and he wasn't alone. The issue of local rats has come to light again on social media, particularly on one of their their neighborhood-oriented apps, where residents in central Waukesha shared their experiences with a bit of alarm and talked about their efforts to get answers from city officials. Um, and so apparently, I mean, the story's going, residents say they have been startled by the presence of rats, which one person described as being as large as a small cat. While not everyone universally described the rats as being cat-sized, most have said the ones they've seen have been bigger than expected, some noticeably skinny, some nicely fattened in central Waukesha neighborhoods. So you, you've got apparently rats, which are overrunning certain neighborhoods in in Waukesha, and there, there's a number of theories as to why the rats are overrunning these neighborhoods in Waukesha. Apparently, um, garbage pickup because the, the garbage service, waste management, ongoing personnel and equipment shortages, um, trash pickup has been delayed, they say, sometimes as long as a week. So the garbage sits out longer, and so it it, it attracts rats. Okay, um, There's another theory that there's some... Um, construction work that's going in. The city's been installing pipelines um, in along Waukesha South Side uh, in order to deliver lake water to Waukesha. So some people are thinking, okay, that what's happening is when they're building the pipeline, that's the disturbing like rat colonies, and so now the rats are are spreading. But all these people are telling stories about their neighborhood is now infested with big fat rats. Okay. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I, I cringe when I hear this story. It's like, okay, there, there's rats, because rats are not good. Rats, you know, rats spread disease, all sorts of things. Okay, so th- that that's fine. I'm thinking, well, all right, what, 
you, if you've got a rat infestation in a part of a community, you would think that this would be something that would be the responsibility of the city. Well, here it gets interesting because this is what the Journal Sentinel write. Cities rules. Such issues inevitably fall on the city to respond. The problem is the city doesn't have a tax-supported service for rat removal. Um, The city's main role in rat reports is to send out a code enforcement representative to examine what might have drawn the rats to a particular street or block. Our biggest solution to rat sightings is trying to figure out what's drawing them to the area. In at least one instance, officials did identify a possible food source from rats that from garbage that wasn't being stored properly. Um, ultimately, if there's no food source, the rats won't hang around a neighborhood. Well, that just means they'll move to another neighborhood. If someone makes sees a, this is what how the story concludes. If someone sees a rat problem, it makes sense to contact the city. So investigates can inve- officials can investigate the element, but the city itself doesn't trap and remove rats. Um, Residents who opt not to trap the rodents themselves might have to rely on an exterminator to clear a property. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, is that a satisfactory response? All right, if there if there are a bunch of giant rats that are running around your neighborhood... You know, and you live in in an urban area, and you call City Hall, and you say, there's a bunch of rats that are running around your area. Is the response, well, okay, trap them yourself, or maybe you can call an exterminator, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I... I I guess I'm I'm a little bit stunned by this because you would think that this would be, rats would be sort of a, a public health issue, and if you've got a ton of rats that are in a particular community, wouldn't it be reasonable to expect, I don't know, maybe somebody from the city to go out and figure out, okay, we, we've got to get rid of these rats, hire the Pied Piper or whatever. And the idea that we've got all these rats here and, okay, you know, if, if you put the, gar- the lids on the garbage cans tighter, that, that that's all well and good. All that means is the rats are going to, I don't know, move a street down or something. Don't you have to have a community-wide effort to get rid of the rats before kids get bitten, before disease gets spread, before animals get attacked? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess I was struck by not the fact that you have rats in an urban area, but the fact that the response of the city seems to be not really our problem. You're on your own. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. See, here's what has to be even more aggravating about it, because some of the theories about the rat infestation in Waukesha is that it, it's been caused by either construction of the, the water line, which, by the way, I supported, which has disturbed rats' nests and now they're roaming, or the fact that garbage pickup is delayed, so the garbage sits out longer, so it attracts it. But regardless, the, the, the attitude that they have that it, it's not our problem, that you're that the fact that rats are overrunning, arguably, areas of, of urban areas of cities, that, that it's it's not the city's problem. You're you're on your own. I'm 
All right. I just, it's almost amazing. Here's a text that makes the point that I was going to make. Jeff, citywide rat remediation has to be handled on a citywide coordinated basis. Only the city is equipped with the means and the authority to comp- accomplish this. Well, yeah, that's it. If, if rats are infecting a particular block. All right. So let's say the, the code enforcement officer goes out and says, all right, we've got two garbage cans on this block and, and it's not secured tightly enough and it's attracting food. Oh, OK. All right. So you put the garbage cans on. All that does is it moves the rats to the next block looking for more food. Don't you have to get rid of the rats in, in the first place? Isn't isn't that the idea? And I'm trying to imagine if I called City Hall and said, "Got oh, these big rats." Well, it's not our problem. You know, it's it's your problem. Well, no, the the rats. It's something that arguably the city has done, which has disturbed the rats, or the garbage pickup isn't coming quickly enough for whatever reasons. No, I mean, don't 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 you have to say this is a major public health issue that we have to. You know, deal with it. Um, Jeff, you're used to living in a community that cares and takes responsibility for their community. You know, then then it goes on um, and, and talks about that. Jeff, I don't want to give my name, but I live in Shorewood um, and they give me the location of where they live. I have trapped two large eight plus inch rats since last June, since late June this year. I called Shorewood. They wouldn't send anybody out. <laughs> really? Um, that's it. Number of people are saying just buy big cats and let them go after that. Jeff, I live in a Milwaukee suburb. Our city does nothing regarding rat control either. Residents are expected to deal with it. Huh. Um, oh, okay. Well, that, that that's all well and good, but what if the residents don't end up dealing with it and the, the, the kid gets bit or the pets get attacked or whatever? I'm sorry, isn't this a quality of life sort of issue? How can you just simply say, oh, there, there's rats that are overrunning a community, not our problem? I mean, where did the bluebonic, somebody texts and says, isn't, isn't it rats that were carrying the bluebonic plague years ago, uh, decades ago, centuries ago? Well, 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 yeah. I mean, I would argue that if you're talking about looking at livability standards in a different community, having parts of your city overrun by rats is not something that is going to be inspiring and keeping the property values of a particular city up. And if the idea is it's not our problem, well, maybe maybe it should be, you know, the, the the problem, especially if it's the actions of the city, whether it's installing water lines, which is something that needed to be done, or, again, problems with garbage pickup. If, if that's the problem that's causing rats, doesn't the city have a responsibility to get rid of them as opposed to a catch on catch by catch, uh, like a, an isolated basis where you say to every homeowner, you've got to trap rats yourself? I'm just imagining. If in our neighborhood we we saw rats and the response was, my wife called to complain and the response was, well, Mrs. Wagner, you got to go out and trap the rats yourself. Yeah, like that's going to happen. Dave in Milwaukee. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, hi. Um, yeah, I agree. Hi, it's a good skip. Hello? Hi, go ahead. Yeah. If, if the problem's getting too big, something needs to be done about it by the city because um, you just can't depend on residents to trap them and um, yeah. call exterminators on their own dime. Well, well, right, because unless unless there's a coordinated effort, you're you're never going to so so you get some exterminators and maybe they do stuff to chase the rats off. All you're doing is sending them two blocks over or, or whatever. You you don't you have to deal with this on a citywide basis to make the city livable. 
Yeah, and uh, they need to, like, sources of rats, they like to go to grocery stores, like, by the, the compactors, because mm-hmm. a lot of stuff just, you know, they can get in there, and that's easy access for them, and I think that's a main place where they can multiply. Yeah, I, I mean, thank, again, look, and I have no, thanks for calling me, but look, and I, I have no problem with the idea that we're, you know, we're going to send out a code enforcement officer to, to try to figure out where they're they're coming from. Okay, that that's all great, but it's not just that. It's get rid of them, okay? We're, we're talking, we're talking rats running around a city. This isn't, look, I, I get... I, if you got mice in your attic, that's your problem. You know that that's where you you know you you call the exterminator and stuff. But if you've got rats that are taking over areas of a city, the idea that the city just kind of washes its hands of the problem is beyond me. Jeff, here's a text. Wauwatosa is no different as far as rodent control. My neighbors and I are keeping one of the local exterminators in business. Yuck. Jan in Milwaukee. You're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Hi, Jen. I um, wanted to talk about the rat problem. A friend of mine lives on 60th in West Dallas, and about two years ago, they had a horrendous rat problem. I mean, I have a picture on my phone of one that looks like a dog. <laughs> um, and they, the, city claim, yep, the city claims that it was because they ripped up the street, and they would not help them. I mean, this went on for two years. Uh, their furniture was destroyed. They had rats in the house, in the, in the drawers. In the basement, um, it was unbelievable. Ooh, and, unbelievable. And, and in, in your case, in your friend's case, it was. I mean, they thought it's because the city ripped up the street, disturbed the where the rats were, and that drove them above ground essentially. So it was a problem caused by the, the street work. Absolutely, um, they got an attorney, and the attorney said, "Too good luck." Yeah. Um, I mean, it was just terrible. Couches, furniture. Ooh. Basement, attic. I mean, you can't even imagine. Oh yes, I can. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. yeah. No, that. No, thanks for going. Believe me. Yes, 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 I can. And to, to me, look, we, we we get we accept the we get the government we accept. All right, and and I understand that there are things that are beyond government's control. And look, I'm the guy who talks about small government. I'm the guy that says, you know, it's not the government's responsibility to take care of everybody from cradle to grave. That government has certain overarching, you know, responsibilities. Government has the responsibility to, you know, preserve public peace and national defense and all those sort of things. I, I understand that. But when if you look at all the different things that we task government to do and all the things that we spend our resources on the idea and i don't mean to pick on waukesha but this story caught my attention because apparently it, it's true in a lot of areas as well other areas as well the idea that okay the city can become overrun with rats and it's not our problem that it's not a municipal problem, even if the municipality, through some of the municipality's actions, might have caused it. It's not our problem. You have to figure out how to deal with it. That, to me, is clearly unacceptable. I mean, it's rodent control is is something that I think is a responsibility of a community. Just like, I mean, I've talked before about how um, the, with 
with the coyotes or coyotes, however you want to say them, you know, with, with that and attacking, you know, people's dogs and things like that. I, I believe that that's a problem for the DNR. I, I think that, you know, yes, you, you have to do that, especially since we don't allow people to go out and we, in, for example, in Milwaukee County, we, we don't allow people to, to shoot coyotes or things like that. I mean, yeah, it, it becomes a city pros- possibility. But when it comes to out of control, disease carrying rodents, you're damn right. I think that the city has some sort of responsibility especially if it's the city's actions which have contributed to or exacerbated or caused the problem in the first place. Oh, you found a bunch of giant rats in your house or running through your front yard and all around? Well, here, we you know deal with it. Go with God. I don't think that's a response that's, I don't think from an elected official response, that that's the right one. But that's just me. Back with more in a couple minutes. Rats. Wow. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa, I have bonded with our fans, our listeners, in a way that I did not anticipate. So, about an hour ago, I was telling you about how I've become a bigger klutz than ever, and I (laughs) I somehow, I, I somehow whacked my 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 it's my my right foot it's my it's the toe next to my big toe so your index toe and i i don't know what i did like i i just whacked it i i guess on an area rug or something this morning it wasn't like i walked into a table and it hurts like you know what and it's like these multiple color things and i'm i'm kind of like sprained it or something well whatever you know but i mean it is there's nothing you can do even Mm -hmm. if you broke it there's nothing you can do it's it's a toe but so i was telling that story and i'm I'm fessing up to me a klutz i have at least a dozen (laughs) texts from people who have done the same thing so we were all in that same boat you're not alone right and it's it's we're all in that same sort of painful boat and you know people are talking about oh yeah i I did i whacked mine on the laundry room door and i (laughs) said that same toe and it's these multiple colors and things like that it's just it happens it it does it does it does happen and you just sit there and say how did exactly this happen Mm -hmm. and to me this was just i i I, it was just a stumble, but I, I was I got up and walked around a little bit, and I'm I'm kind of limping because yeah, it hurts, yeah. you know. So then you're what did, getting. What did Fran say? Did you tell Fran? I told Fran. She said, "Oh, how did that happen?" <laughs> and I, you know, she, no, she was sympathetic, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's it's not like I mean, you're not going to have to amputate it and stuff. You no, know, she was she was sympathetic, but yeah. she knows she married a klutz. What can you do? Oh, no. you know, there's so many so many things. So it's it's again, it's misery loves company. Okay, um, this is the two o'clock hour. We've got pop culture corner coming up in about twenty five minutes. I always tend to try to do a little bit of some lighter stuff. We we talk about so many heavy things, although the it's such a good news story this week with the. Bucks winning the the championship, the the story today out of of Green Bay, and I I want to just offer my thoughts on it um, to give it a little bit of of context. Um, training camp fully opens up uh, next week, and you know we we will undoubtedly be talking about whether Aaron Rodgers will be there. It's you know one of the things I, I think of, and if you look at the way the city, the state, the world has embraced Giannis, and, and then you compare him to, you know, what what damage Aaron Rodgers has done to his his reputation. It, it's just, it's amazing. I, I always say it takes, you know, it, it, it takes years and years and years to build up an image, 
and then you, you can just blow it all very quickly. Now, I understand that there's some people who are just, okay, I think the Packers are awful and Aaron Rodgers is in the right and all those things, but but I don't believe that's the majority opinion. But regardless, it's a split opinion. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers could have had the keys to Green Bay, the keys to the state of Wisconsin for the rest of his life. And I think regardless of whether he shows up on Tuesday or not, he's he's tarnished his image. He's never going to be viewed the same way by Packers fans uh, again. And, and that's just the reality. And you compare that to the way Giannis is being viewed. And, you know, w- would you rather be Giannis or would you rather be Aaron Rodgers, at least in the eyes of of the public and it's i mean aaron Rodgers, in my opinion has a huge public relations problem and if he doesn't show up on tuesday it's going to get worse but but that's that's a conversation for next week the story today is more bad news and that's the way it's being billed out out of title town you know Devonte adams says they they've split off they've you know broken up talks well here's what at least i think is going on here Devontae Adams wants to be the highest paid player in in the NFL and, you know, highest paid receiver. And the the big argument is last year, um, Arizona paid uh, DeAndre Hopkins just stupid money. You know, made him, it was like a $54 million contract extension, and Adams wants to be paid uh, as with him. Well, the problem the Packers have is they don't have a lot of cap space. They're, they're kind of at their spending limit. And Aaron Rodgers continues to hold them hostage because, I mean, the reports were that the Packers offered a, a longer deal to Aaron Rodgers and more money up front, et cetera. And the, the problem is, What's going on is I don't think the Packers have the money that is under the salary cap and things like that without crippling the team to sign Adams to a a huge deal if at the same time they have to turn around this year and pay or make arrangements to pay Aaron Rodgers even more. So I I think in some respects the the Adams deal is it's on hold until they know what's happening with Aaron Rodgers and they can go from there. At the end of the day, do I think, you know, Devontae Adams um, ends up signing back with the Packers? Yeah, I do. If nothing else, they they control him. They can put a franchise tag on him, you know, next year if he somehow and it's in his interest to sign sooner rather than later because if he gets hurt this year this is contract year his value goes down but again i think this is another thing that i would chalk up to the waiting for aaron sort of environment and you know the sooner the aaron Rodgers things gets worked out one way or the other and i don't know how it's going to get worked out but the sooner it does the better it will be for all concerned but the big takeaway is after um even after that heartbreaking loss one game before the Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers could still have written his ticket to anything in the state of Wisconsin and that's changed. And it and it's it, it's not it's not gonna it will never be the same. That's just kind of the bottom line of all this and it might get worse before it gets better. Okay. Um I I wanna I wanna go do something completely different. Like I said, we try to do lighter things in this this um, hour of the program on Fridays. I don't know how you start your mornings. Maybe you, you hopefully you, you turn on WTMJ radio and you listen to our morning news. But I know that there's a lot of people who turn on on the television and, and watch some of the, the news programs. For decades, the gold standard in morning news programs was the Today Show.
Now, of course, this kind of goes back in time. You can think of the 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 pre-scandal Matt Lauer, and remember when you had America's Sweetheart Katie Couric, and you had Bryant Gumbel on the show. But for years and years, the Today Show was kind of the gold standard by which other shows were met. Um, here's the headline that caught my attention. NBC's Today has the smallest audience since at least 1991. It's a total fiasco. The show has lost its role and is a cultural touchstone. Um, apparently, uh, numbers came out last week. Viewership shows that the Today Show has its smallest audience in 30 years. Today averaged 9, 2.9 million viewers during the week of July 12th to 16th. It marks the first time NBC News' flagship program failed to surpass the 3 million viewer threshold since at least 1991 when ratings became easily accessible. So that's it's the lowest rating they've had, the lowest number of viewers in 30 years. Um, and then it compares it to Good Morning America, which has fewer. I mean, the numbers for Good Morning America have gone down, but they're averaging 3.4 million viewers. So Good Morning America continues to, to be the choice. But the Today Show that I think a lot of us grew up watching, it, it's not drawing numbers. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you watch morning news programming? And and what what shows do you watch and why? I will confess at the Wagner household, my wife, you know, turns on Good Morning America. She watches that program, you know, when when it starts. When she wakes up, she'll put on Good Morning America and watch and watch that. I don't remember the last time I've seen the Today Show. It's certainly been years and years. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. For us in the morning, if if the TV news is on, it's always going to be Good Morning America. And then if there's something local, you know, maybe we're going to be focusing on one of the channels that has local news. But I, you know, today, the Today Show, couldn't tell you the last time I watched it. And at least according to these numbers, uh, it appears that what we're doing is similar to what's going on in other places. All right, if you're watching TV news in the morning, what are you watching and why? We discuss. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. What we're talking about, the decline, the dramatic decline of ratings at uh, the Today Show, one of our texters says, blame it on Trump. Actually, some people are. And, and the argument, and again, I haven't seen the Today Show in years, but it says the argument is over the last couple of years, the Today Show became a, a mini version of MSNBC um, where the, 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 it was the constant Trump bashing, Trump bashing, Trump bashing. And now that there's no longer Trump in office to bash anymore, a lot of those viewers have, have disappeared. Um, 855-616-1620. Troy, um, in Door County. Troy, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm, sure. a, I'm a Good Morning America person, and if your caller or your texter said it was because of Trump, well, that's fine for me because uh, he could take some of the blame. I don't I don't know. But, you, you know, I was telling the screener, you just get used to waking up in the morning to the same people. Right. And that goes the call. Oh, I'm sorry. Cell phone caught out there, Troy. Yeah, I, I, you were you were going to say that you're a big fan of of the, the, of ABC, and that's my you know we, again. We're, my wife watches. I don't I don't watch as much news on 
during the uh, during at night because that's just it's what I do for a living is talking about these stories. But um, like I will tell you, my my wife is a big fan of the ABC stuff. She loves Good Morning America in the morning, and she loves David Muir the the twelve at five thirty at night. So we that's the time we eat dinner a lot, and so it, it's not uncommon to have you know the ABC sort of news on again. I don't remember the last time that I ended up. Um, I don't remember the last time that I ended up watching the the Today Show. Um, here's a text. Jeff, in the morning for news, I like to switch it up. I start with Vince and Susan on TMJ, then go to CBS 58, and then I, I keep it on. Now, see, I, again, there, there's always, it, it's, you got the local news programming, but once, what is about 7 o'clock, it, it's, it's national, it's the national programs, unless you're watching Fox 6. 855-616-1620. Renee on the Northwest Side. Hi, Renee. Hi, Jeff. I love your show. Thank you. Um, yeah, I like the, uh, I was telling your uh, producer, mm-hmm. uh, my, my listeners, my uh, viewership is uh, eclectic in the morning. I have watched uh, Good Morning America in the past, but I haven't watched it in a long time. For the most uh, part of the year, um, I watch CBS Morning News with Gail King. I like okay. her personality and all the people around her. Um, I also um, watch uh, MSNBC sometimes. Um, I like sports, so I will watch uh, ESPN. Uh, Steve A. <laughs> yes, sure. ESPN is A in the morning, especially recently with with the Bucks and all that. And so, um, Do you re- did you ever watch you the, know, the, did you ever watch the, the Today Show? Yes, yes. Uh, I was going to say it. I told your your screener that uh, uh, I think over maybe like the past uh, two months, I may have tuned in to the Today Show briefly, but Craig Melvin, he comes on MSNBC, I think, sometimes at 9 Mm -hmm. o'clock. And so you can catch him there. I like him. I like Hoda Kotb. You know, they're all strong journalists and everything. Uh, But I don't know. I just think that... um, you know, people, your previous caller, you know, hit on it. You know, he said you get used to certain personalities yeah. and, uh, you know, uh, seeing them in the morning. All of them are still very good. They're sound broadcast journalists, so that's not the issue. I think the issue is who you want to deliver right. your news in the right. morning. Right, and, and who you relate to. No, thank, thanks for calling. That's, that's, for example, at, at night, like I say, my, my wife prefers David Muir. And a matter of fact, they do very, very well in the ratings. And Good Morning America, that's Stephanopoulos aside, you've got um, Michael Strahan, you've got Robin Roberts. I love Robin Roberts. I think she does a good job. But you're, you're right. I mean, the, the days when today, remember, it, it, in NBC, I mean, the, the two huge money makers. it used to be the Today Show and it used to be the Tonight Show. And now that that's completely and, and totally changed. And again, pre-scandal, Matt Lauer and um, again, Bryant Gumbel and some of the, the other people that you used to have on the Today Show, they, they've, they're struggling if you kind of look at these numbers. Uh, Jenna in Milwaukee. Jenna, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. Yeah, I used to watch the Today Show. Then there was Matt Lauer. And, but I went back again, and I started watching, and I used to like Savannah Guthrie. But I got really disappointed. Unfortunately, it seemed just it was very biased, yeah. uh, especially during the election. Um, I didn't like the way she had treated our president. And I'm an independent, so I can go either way. Um, but So I ended up turning it off every time she came on. But now I go to Fox 6. 
Mm-hmm. I, I, I like their local news. Yep. I like that they visit local establishments, tell us what's going on. Yep. Um, I'll do the, the Channel 12 as well, you know, like them. So Good Morning America, that's all great. Yeah. So, yeah, unfortunately, today's show has lost my viewership with Savannah. Well, uh, th- thanks, so. Jen, Jen. And just so you know, you're, you're not alone. And I, I guess what struck me about this, now, now the other thing is, Network news ratings are, are down all over, and part of that is because you, you have multiple choices. It's like it's like anything. It's when when I'm dating myself, but when you know, when I when I when I grew up, when lots of us grew up, you, you only had if you wanted news, it was okay. You had PBS, and then you had the, the the three or four main broadcast networks. That was a choice. Now you've got a million different choices. You know, you you've got if you can watch Fox and Friends in the morning, you can watch all these different stuff. So the the audience is more diluted, and so that's one of the things that that goes into it so you're never going to have the the ratings that you maybe had 10 or 20 years ago or 20 years ago when there weren't as many choices but even in that context uh the today show ends up struggling and and i think what happens and i this, they say this about radio listening too it, it's things and a couple of you made the point it it becomes a habit and you get used to i mean hopefully you you're used to monday through friday you tune in to 620 and and jeff wagner is there and, and that it's that habit and you i become part of your daily listening habit thank you for that i, I appreciate that I'm, I'm hopefully a good habit to have same thing is true you know in in the morning you get used to you know waking up watching you know the folks that are on the different shows and all and once you fall out of the habit once you know something happens that yeah okay I'm, I'm not watching this show anymore then you say okay now i i, I want to see the personalities on this show or that show it, it's just kind of the reality that's there but given all the money that's involved it's really caught my attention that the lowest ratings as far as number of people watching in 30 years and i mean the, the story i'm looking at is describing it as a fiasco i i, I don't know but obviously, there, there's something going on. People are voting with their clickers. People are voting with the channel changers. And at least right now, they're not voting for today. John McCure, he's going to be in. We're going to find out what he has on his plate for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think he's going to be talking bucks. Stick around.